This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin. And I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? The bubble's back. Woohoo! <laughs> am I allowed to be this happy about that? <laughs> Why are you happy about that? Well... I actually was just feeling really tired and um, Jack's been back at school after we had an awesome holiday and it just seemed like it wasn't long enough so it's just nice to be home hanging out with my wee fella reading a book and just feeling happy and hopefully uh, COVID even though we've got it and we're probably going to get a few more cases hopefully it's not going to turn into a big deal. Glad the government shut us down. And we were in Auckland last week. Were you checking the list? Yes, I was, and I'm hoping I have not brought COVID back to Fakatani with me because I don't think my community would be overly happy with me if I have, especially since I was at the Business Awards on the weekend. It's interesting how quickly people are connected to those sorts of things or yeah. how, how much it could spread if it got out through those sorts of connections. Yeah. How easily. Yeah, I suppose it's something about how connected we are. So who are we connecting with from our homes today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce Simon Clark, man of many hats and talents. He's a professional director, sits on Bay Trust with me, so I've really enjoyed getting to know him over the last few years. And he's actually just an all-round nice guy. So um, he's really smart and funny, and it's just nice to have him with us today. Simon, welcome. Thanks, Mawera. Kia ora. How is everyone? All good. Yeah. And you? Yeah. No, I'm a bit like you, enjoying um, sitting in my home in Taronga with my wife and two teenage daughters, enjoying um, some quiet time. So does it feel a bit like Back to the Future or, or Groundhog Day? A little bit, Sam, and probably probably more so for me because um, in the middle of last year, I, I left my um, executive life and have set up my own business with, with my wife, um, providing sort of governance and strategic advisory work. But I've been working from home. So today I'm sitting in the, the same place that I was sitting in for the last 12 months, really. So it's a bit groundhog <laughs> day like that. The only difference, I think is um, my two teenage daughters are home, so probably means I stay in my office a bit longer than I otherwise would have. <laughs> and how long will it be until you have to take responsibility for for their schooling, making sure that they're learning? 
Oh, they're, they're, they're sort of at the back end of their schooling. One's in year 13 and one's in year 11. So they're sort of quite responsible adults now, young women who are finding their own way. So the last thing they want me to do is come in and tell them what to do. Um, <laughs> so I just have to deliver deliver uh, flat whites and, and um, um, tea, green tea, jasmine tea, actually, um, when they need it. So how was your how was your bubble life during the the big one last year? Yeah, well, it was a nice. It was it, it was actually in some ways quite nice. It was a nice time of year, wasn't it? In terms of weather and living in the beautiful Bay of Plenty, we were we had a fantastic three or four weeks. Um, as I said, I was just sort of. Um, coming to the end of my executive life. So the first part of it was quite busy because we were managing, I was an executive at Trust Power, which is the um, you know uh, local utility company based here in Taronga. And um, that was quite a big role, just making sure that the business could keep operating. So the first part of it, I was quite busy on Zooms. Um, and then towards the end of it, I sort of mentally decided that it was time for me to leave Trust Power. So, um, it was an interesting, interesting period of, of a bit of change for me professionally during that period as well. Is that something that you had planned? We've heard quite a lot of people from quite a lot of people who had that got that kind of lifestyle or career change planned. And some people barreled ahead and some people have said, no, this is not a good time for doing this. I think it was more of a coincidence than anything. I... I um the two things happened at the same time. Um, sort of always been a bit of a believer of, uh, it's a, this is a very bad analogy, particularly for um, vegetarians. Um, but I always like, from a career perspective, I like to take the steak off the barbecue just before it's, you think it's ready. <laughs> um, and so throughout my career, I've always thought that um, applied that sort of philosophy to my career and it was I was just getting to the point in time where the steak was still looking a bit raw and um, it was time for a change. I knew that I had to had to take it off the barbecue and do something different. That's an interesting metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> so was that before it gets stale or in terms of that steak, before it gets dried out? Correct. Before you overcook it, um, before no one starts liking it, um, before it becomes a problem, <laughs> um, you know, you, some, sometimes you just, you, you, it's a hard thing to do actually, I, you know, my had a fantastic nine years at Trust Power um, and eight years before that in the Meridian Energy Group, so I'm a bit of an, a utilities energy, energy person, um, really great company, um, hard for me to leave, but um, decided it was time to do something else let's take the first of your music choices let's have chris knox not given likely why this one oh, i think this the, the, both of my music choices today um remind me of a time my life actually in dunedin and i know you're a, a dunedin based um um, podcast um, and I had five years down there at, at university in the um, early 90s loved my time down there um, Chris Knox was doing his stuff at that point in time and, and that was that was quite a special song for me for a number of reasons but um, just really really enjoyed it got him to 
when when we we went lived in um, in Dublin in the late 1990s um, in Ireland, and he ended up playing in a bar um, just um, just out of Temple Bar. And I remember at the time that we felt like we were the only New Zealanders in, in Dublin <laughs> at that point in time. But um, suddenly there were all these other Kiwis in this little pokey bar in, in, in Ireland, and it was just an absolutely fantastic night. So he's a he's a special guy. It's morning, time to wake now Your body and mind Entwined, we'll have to break now But I want your flesh Your warmth to stay beside me Oh, how I wish You could be deep inside me Show me your eyes Your love most tender Mother, this isn't easy. I might not 
We've heard from lots of people how their professions have changed because of the the pandemic. Not so much the technical things, but more about the 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 focus that people have had on the the purpose of what they're doing, and to some extent on, on the sorts of things that they're that they're being asked to do or what that purpose is. Because it's not just a matter of this is what I do on a daily basis but this is why i do it has the the pandemic and the pandemic response had a sort of a had a had a fingerprint a, a footprint into the sort of the governance space has it, has it led you to be thinking about stuff differently oh uh totally i, th- I think um you know i think purpose um as a critical element has always been a critical element for me in terms of who i work for and what i do and how i contribute um i think that's becoming an increasing increasing need for particularly younger generations as they join the workforce um and i think organizations are starting to recognize the importance of of engaging their people and and having a culture around purpose and um giving everyone you know, a North Star or a, um, to to believe in um, and, 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 and climb towards. Um, and I think that just became sort of magnified, didn't it? Um, or has become magnified during this pandemic period where people have sort of, um, I think, acknowledged and recognised that there's much more, much more to life than going to a nine-to-five job and... Um, and are now looking to, you know, make make a difference in, in their life and what they do and how they contribute. So at a governance level, um, I think that's just as true um, as as any any um, operations or, or business um, or any role you play within that business. So, you know, you do see round board tables, um, you know, directors or trustees talking much more about purpose um, and reframing a lot of the decisions they make through that through that purpose which I think uh, which I think is a great thing do you have people doing we might talk about people are like pretending sustainability uh, you know variously called greenwash or, or variations like that do you get purpose wash <laughs> um, 
Oh, I guess you do. Um, yeah, possibly. Um, but I don't think, you know, with all these things, it's all a transition and people at either of the spectrum will say things are washing for a period of time until it becomes, you know, embedded. I think it's a good thing that people are starting to say that and that's, that means that whole movement is, is transitioning towards that that sort of mindset. Um, but it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to be... Uh, unauthentic around purpose um, when you're around a group of people and you're making decisions and you're having conversations and you know it's pretty hard to just keep pretending that you don't believe in the purpose or that you think the purpose is stupid isn't it do you think in years to come there will be a, a fingerprint in the archaeological record of decisions that were made during this time will we be looking back and saying oh that was a covid decision not so much on that that was explicitly because of covid but in terms of the way we were thinking about stuff um yeah i think there'll be a little i think there's already been a shift and i think across various um sectors and it's sort of related to covid i think it's sort of related to climate change as well and the problems that we have um going forward as a as a as a world um i think you've seen from the business context you know investor investor context you've seen a, a big shift towards allocation of capital into um areas that are trying to solve or mitigate climate change risks um so you've seen a definite definite shift in that you've seen businesses and boards who would really normally only really care about shareholder return, shift towards a much broader set of stakeholders and what they care about and how they think about it, including their employees and the and the planet and the environment, um, and their communities. Um, so I, I actually think there has been quite a big big shift. Um, not all about COVID, but I think it's just about you know i think climate change and a realization that we've that we're screwing up the planet and and need to do something about it um has been another big big shift and your experience over the last few years has been in the the energy sector has the energy sector you know has, has it seen it coming is it, is it genuinely engaging in this do you think yeah, I mean, we, we, New Zealand's been very, very lucky in the energy sector. I mean, we we, were, we we started through accident or through natural advantage, I guess. You know, in the in the think big reforms to invest in large hydropower stations, and um, we've got good geothermal activity in the central plateau. And you know, more latterly over the last 10, 15 years, we've built wind farms. Um, and so we're already predominantly a renewable, um, green electricity energy source um apart from our um our huntley huntley plant that burns coal um but you know that's needed at the moment as we saw just recently with some blackouts um we haven't we're not quite in a point where we can transition that infrastructure to 100 percent renewable but we will get there um but it will just take a little bit of time so so i, I think the electricity sector um, an energy sector in New Zealand um, has been a great example of what can be done um, from an electri renewable electricity perspective. Um, obviously, our country's problems on carbon are largely in, you know, transport. 
Um, so it's about how we leverage that ability to generate renewable electricity into electric transport. Um, so the transition to EVs and the you know um, and higher higher end uh, electric transport and trucks and trains and and so forth. Um, and then our other our other challenge in, in the whole carbon. Um, um, problem is, you know, obviously our agricultural and, and dairy sector, our methane, um, and we have to deal with that as well if we, you know, want to hit these zero zero carbon zero carbon targets. But you know, from from a, from an electricity perspective, I think we've got a world class system. Um, you know, nearly a, highly renewable and a very disparate customer base spread over the, the length of New Zealand, which is quite a challenge. Uh, geographical environment and spurs of out to you know people living in rural and um, distant places and you know the HVDC link across the two countries is pretty complex. Um, yeah, but that's that's uh, that's an energy sector person talking to you, of course. You're talking about purpose. Does that do the notions of purpose do they scale? Is it the same stuff when you're talking with? I don't know, a community group or a community project and those sort of large-scale infrastructure system changes, challenges. Is it, the, is it the same sets of questions at a different level, at a different scale? Yep. Uh, yeah, I think it's quite simple. It's of purposes about why does, why does an organisation exist? What, what, are we, what are we here for? Whether, whether you're a community trust or whether you're an electricity gen tailor, generator retailer, whether you're a um, council controlled organisation, whether you're a local government, whether you're central government, you know, what is it that is your reason for being um, and what are you trying to achieve? That, that are pretty simple questions and if you can't, as an organisation, answer them, um, then you're sort of going to be challenged to be able to convince your people to come on that, come on a journey. A book that was a favourite of mine a few years ago by Alex Schnendler. I just made that up. It's something like that. It's called Getting Green Done. Schneider, maybe. Um, which was about his, his experience was as the sustainability manager for major ski areas in the in, in Colorado. And his argument was yep. that it's almost a waste of time talking to the chief executives when he went to a place, he went and talked to the people that were drive, driving the snow plows and the rubbish trucks. And if they didn't get that, that notion of the, the purpose and what they were trying to do, it, it didn't matter what the chief executive thought. Yeah. Do, you look, do you look for that sort of integration of, of that, that purpose and, 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 and how do you ensure it? Totally, totally agree with that, isn't it? There's that other great story, isn't there, in, the, in NASA, when the when someone's walking around and they they see the see someone sort of mopping the floors and they go well what's what's your job and they say well I help I help the janitor goes I help people I, I help I put people on the moon I help put people on the moon it's the, it's it's the same it's the same type of thing right so um, absolutely you know right down an organisation a, a CEO is really just a representative of the people that they are. They have employed and work in the company, and they need to reflect them rather than the other way around. So it's very much a terrible term, but a bottom-up sort of, you know, approach to defining your purpose and and, and coming through with that. And that's um, 
that's absolutely critical. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, kotahuaho. I hope you're all having this day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. I really hope that whoever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey we all want to be rewarding, be sustaining and illuminating for you more and each day who you are, a triumph of nature's art. Unique and here is better. Thank you. Now, beautiful people, as we know, we've been through such an intense time together over the last more than a year, and I'm so grateful for these five minutes with you. It's made a huge difference to me over this time. I want to say a big thank you to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me as part of the show. And a huge. We find ourselves again in lockdown, and of course, I know this has come as a big shock for a lot of us. and quite an unexpected and abrupt change. I know that for many of us we were planning lots of events and lots of shared gathering, lots of ways to celebrate together. These won't be able to happen in that way now. However, having been through this together before, we are so well equipped now to deal with being here again. And I know for me that there are many aspects of my life, of course, that in the home realm have been neglected because I have been putting my energy out into the world. And having this time at home, of course, is an opportunity to nurture those aspects at home. So I really hope for you that at this time, even though we have abruptly moved back into lockdown, you're able to see ways that you use your time and energy to nurture and support yourself and those you love. I know for me also with the walking that we are able to do each day, looking forward to ascending the lofty mountain Kapukato Mahaka, which is Mount Kargil, which rises above my house. Looking forward to making my way towards that summit each day. And of course, being back in this lockdown, we are back in the state of appreciating our immediate environment. The birds, the plants, the familiar but perhaps unappreciated aspects that we see every day. So I hope that for you, you're able to enjoy this reunion with them and that it can bring you a sense of comfort in this time. I know for many of us, we will now be working at home and, and all of those technical uh, changes. We have a staff meeting today via Zoom, so it will be interesting. And I hope that for you these ways of working will feel manageable. I know for many of us this comes as a great shock, and so of course it's important to know that there are support systems out there for us if we need to reach out and get support. If it feels overwhelming, if it feels too much to try to navigate in this space, again, please seek support and please tell people how you're feeling make sure you get what you need i know for me that i love us as a species i find us so fascinating and as human animals all the things that we have done together and all the things that we'll continue to do just fill me with delight and as much as i see these behaviors and these ways of seeing the world in places as of course not ideal I also see them as part of a process of co-evolution 
and of course we can all do what we can to contribute to this and we are all contributing to this consciously or unconsciously so thank you for the contributions that you're making and we have got through this before we will get through it again and by working together and looking after each other we'll get through it sooner and easier so i'm sending out lots of love to you all and i look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much Kakiti. you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with simon clark simon philanthropy is such an interesting space and um for so long it has just been seen as funding the scouts and funding the aged concern like all of these organizations who do really amazing things in the community but now there's this this real movement towards tackling the bigger issues that we face in our community how do you think we're going to go with that do you see enough is there enough energy for movement in the whole philanthropic community in New Zealand to be able to actually contribute to solving some of our bigger social issues collectively? Yeah, look, I, I think there is. Um, I mean, I think it's also, you know, you, you and I sit on the Bay Trust and we, and we know that the Bay of Plenty Community Trust has quite a big ability and balance sheet to make investments in its local community to have impact. Um, so I really feel like rather than just giving out grants, um, which we do as well. And of course, there is the, the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff um, organisations that we absolutely need to continue to support um, because they need it. And it's there right in front of them now. But there's all these longer term systemic changes that need to be driven across the environment, across social, um, across economic as well, actually that we can have an impact on because we have a large fund sitting there and we can make a difference um, into our community. So I I really feel as though it's a responsibility of, of these large community trusts who are there, at, remember, representing their community, both current and future, um, because these trusts last for a long time, uh, perpetual-type trusts. Um, so I, I see it as much more an obligation um and and with obligation you know you need to take action so um i I see a big opportunity in that area and i think you know it'd be great if a lot of all the community trusts in in new zealand start thinking like that and being bold enough to make some make some decisions and and have some impacts around what they're doing in their communities how do we move people outside of that bit of patch protection mentality uh, and and move them into that collective space where we can say as a group we can do so much better because I see it um, in companies I see it I see it even in schools like this real need to hold on to this tiny little piece of the pie and say this is mine and you can't have it and I'm not going to open my door to share with you and, and, and it exists in, in philanthropy as well. How do we actually help them to move beyond that? Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. I mean, I think we've seen that, you know, even within the Bay of Plenty uh, Community Trust, there is sort of regional factions. Um, and we've managed to sort of put those put those aside, look at the wider Bay of Plenty. So I, I guess for me, taking leadership, starting to, you know, have impact in our area, talking about that 
with other other community trusts and other philanthropy organisations, um, and telling the story of what we've been able to achieve and sharing our knowledge and sharing what we've achieved, and trying to encourage them to do the same and, and being collaborative around how how we can work together um, for everyone's benefit. I think is um, is the way to go. But you you have to. You sort of only can do, you can only control and have impact on what you can control and have impact on. Um, and you've got to do it. And then you've got to tell your story. And hopefully that sows the seeds for other organisations to look at what you're doing and collaborate with you. I, I totally agree with you. And it's the storytelling, isn't it? It's that radical storytelling. Look at this thing that we've done. Because if we don't tell the stories, how does anyone ever know? So yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, that's, yeah. maybe that's the next stage, isn't it, is, is um, finding some means of being able to tell those stories and bring in the organisations that are part of the wider story, everybody sharing the story, and from there something can grow. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. If you, yeah. if, you could, if you could change the world of philanthropy, what's the most significant change that you would implement right now today that would make the biggest difference in our country? Gee, that's uh, I haven't. <laughs> you surprised me with that question, Marwena. The biggest change that I would make to philanthropy. Look, I, I, I look. I think that's. Uh, I mean, you can think of my mind being a being a background in, in a commercial business. My mind always goes to structures and 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 how we could structure um, things better. Should we have an aggregation? Of of bigger bigger community um, trusts or something like that, but actually, as I talk about that and I think about that structure, it doesn't really change that. And actually, some of the benefits of having localized community trusts, in particular, is a focus on those local communities. So um, I'm talking myself out of a, a big structural <laughs> change, um, as we've as we've been talking. Um, but maybe it just goes down to back, back to what we were just talking about, which is um, sharing more, um, celebrating successes, and, and doing doing more. Community trust, leading more, and doing more. Um, it's very easy as 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 a trustee or a board member of of, of a big community trust or another um, another organisation to just make sure you're investing wisely um, and giving out grants to all those good people that need it. Um, that's a pretty lazy, lazy thing for boards and trustees to do. They should be about going, how do we leverage the assets that we've got to have an impact in our communities for our communities now in the future? So um, I, I think just more action and more doing um, in that area is the answer to how we improve and tell the stories of that to how to improve the, the macro New Zealand Inc. Um, approach to that. So I've, I've just rambled around that answer, but that's... No, that was a beautiful answer. I've been you... thinking as I've been talking, which is sometimes a problematic, but... But also sometimes beauty comes from it, and it just did. That was exactly perfect. And I think also um, diversity in... The, in philanthropic spaces is, is, is a bit of an issue. And I, I love when I look into our board structure, we are a very diverse group of people and there is incredible debate at the table 
and I love that. But I still see in a lot of philanthropic boards around the country that diversity is not there, that critical thinking isn't there, the challenging isn't there. So how do we get more diversity into our boards? Uh, yeah, totally, totally agree with that. I mean, I, I, I have been, I guess, really pleasantly surprised um, at how the diversity around the, the trust that we're on um, how, how much value that's contributed to the table. Um, you know, it has it, 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 not, not more from, for the, I think it's more the size of our board and in that particular instance, you know, there's lots of people that have lots of views and so there's lots of diversity. Um, now, the, now, the downsides of that are, of course, around the ability to make decisions and the ability to move quickly and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, so there's, pro, there's pros and cons, but, I, but I'm a massive, massive believer in diversity, full stop, on any, on any governance board or any team. Um, you know, diversity of thought, diversity of backgrounds, diversity of race, diversity of gender, um, all, those, all those things bring different perspectives to the table and enable better decision making. Um, the... So, 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 and I, look, you, there's an increasing, you know, a fantastic trend in um, in governance and in boards around the country, in in New Zealand, that um, you're seeing more and more diversity um, flowing into boards, which is which is fantastic. So you're seeing better decision making because of that. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm I am the I'm, I'm characterising myself as male, pale, but not stale. So I, I'm, I've got, you know, so I, I found it quite challenging getting on a number of boards because the male, pale thing is, is not really a diversity problem. There's there's plenty of that um, in New Zealand. Um, and so my differential is the, the, uh, the not stale. Yeah. And the diverse thinking. Because I know that Mei Chen has done so much work with, super diverse women and trying to grow this organization and get a bit a more diversity onto boards but what i gained most from everything she's written is that diverse thinking so at the end of the day it doesn't matter that you're male and pale it matters the way that you think and the thought that you bring your thoughts that you bring are so wide open and inspirational and future focused and it, and you could be female and and Indian and and young but if you don't have that way of thinking that doesn't matter it doesn't matter what your genetics are because the thought isn't in the right place yeah no no I totally agree with that Moeta and and, and the, the, I think the the people that come from similar backgrounds have had similar sort of you know perspectives around or been growing up in similar ways you know they you can get to a point where they people start thinking the same as well and, and i and i have i have seen that you know and that doesn't matter what gender they are or what race they are if they're if they're brought up in a similar context in a similar way um you know you can the, the thinking can be quite narrow so it's just as important you know where you've come from and, and how you think about things can be shaped from your background and so having diversity and people from lots of different backgrounds, um, you know, ensures that you don't get that sort of group think or you think everyone thinks about things the same way. Um, mm. as another as another lens 
another lens to look through. I'm going to interrupt and squeeze in the second of Simon's music choices. Let's have Hunters and Collectors, Holy Grail. Why this? Oh, no, this one. So I, I wasn't in a, I wasn't, this is again Dunedin University, uh, early 1990s. I wasn't in 660 George Street, uh, 660 Castle Street, but I was in 770 George Street. So this is our 770 uh, George Street sort of anthem for our flat. Um, or one of them anyway, I think there was a few.
I mean, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last year and a half. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Um, you know, I, I think there's been a growth and appreciation of Aotearoa and our country that we live in. Um, and, you know, a bit of a sense of, of, of proudness around what what we've been able to achieve throughout the pandemic and that the, that the economy and our, you know, social fabric has held together pretty well over a really, really tough period of time. And we've looked at other countries and, and um, seen what's happened there. Um, so I, I think there's sort of a national pride thing has sort of feels to me has um, accelerated. Um, you know, I guess a lot of us, you know, when we go on holidays, we've been able to travel around our own country and, and learn more about that. Um, I think there's an increased appreciation of, you know, Māori tikanga and, and te reo and association of that. So all, all, the, all these things have evolved or accelerated through this period of, of the pandemic. And, you know, I, don't, I see all of those things sticking, um, which is fantastic. I think, I think we were talking about it before. I think purpose around what people do has become more important. <laughs> um, the, um, so I think that, that will stick. Um, an appreciation of our environment um, is certainly growing. I mean, you know, my, my wife and my world are on a couple of environmental things together. Um, and um, I think people, that's become very much mainstream. She's moved from a, a, an activist greenie to now quite mainstream, sort of from a political spectrum, the whole green movement. Um, so oh, I think that sticks. Um, and, you know, the other thing I think we've learnt uh, through this period is um, much better tools to deal with mental health across our country um, and talk about mental health. Um, that's really, really important um, because these issues have always been there. They're now talked about and known and we can hopefully get a do more about it. So I think that will stick as well. And obviously the mental mental stress on, on people through this uncertainty and change that has happened globally and, and within New Zealand has um, escalated those issues and brought them to the forefront. So I think there's a much more understanding and acknowledgement uh, of importance of mental wellness and, and health. So yeah, look, there's quite a few things I think, Tam, that will that will stick with us and hopefully you know i'm a bit of a social progressive so all these all these things you know we need to take forward and progress and be better um so yeah what a great list i have some questions to end the show with and not very much time so we shall have to be quick what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years oh probably this interview has been been <laughs> been up there so what's your superpower? Um, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a connector of people and ideas and a bit of a strategist. 
Um, I'm not sure whether that's a superpower, but... I think that's a good superpower. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, behind the scenes activist, yeah, I'm not. I've been I've been on a flu. I, I sat in I sat in the um, Otago University building in the early 1990s as a student protester saying, "Can't pay, won't pay," but um, against student fees. But that was probably a little bit of a overreaction from my background and where I came from. Um, but but um, I uh, my, and my wife had me out on a few climate change marches and things like that. So. I'm a supporter. We've had Mark Baxter on the show. I don't even remember Mark. Baxter, as he was known, is known. Oh, yeah. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, look, I, pe- people do, um, and the environment does, and my family, my family does. Um, wanting to be make a difference in the environment and community and that I operate and that I live within um, gets me out of bed in the morning um, and normally that what else gets me out is a beautiful sunny day and uh, and the opportunity to hang out in the Bay of Plenty or go to the beach or go to the lakes spend a lot of time at Lake Rotuiti so um, yeah lots of things get me out of bed each day. So what's the biggest challenge or opportunity you're looking forward to in the next year or so? I'm really looking forward um, to the, you know, the, the, I'm getting a bit sort of economic on this, but, the, you know, Tarong has had some real challenges around its growth um, and it's a bit of an economy of two halves. One, the, have, the haves and the haven'ts, have-nots. Um, I'm really looking forward to some big sort of structural changes um, that have been driven um, around investing back into our communities to really sort of lift the lift the boats of all all people, um, and that that's quite exciting. So, sort of navigating our way uh, through that is sort of the biggest challenge that I think is in front of us at the moment. Um, but it can be a fan, it is a fantastic place. It can be a fantastic place, and everyone can. Um, have success and, and feel the, the benefits of that and that's what we've got to stay focused on And lastly do you have any advice for our listeners? I'd say keep listening what a great what a great podcast um, and you know come and visit us in New Zealand if you're listening from offshore when you're um, when we open up our borders again and see our beautiful country and meet all of our beautiful people Thank you for that. Moera. Simon, um, I'm a big fan of yours and I I really enjoy uh, your company and your diverse thinking at our board table. Um, I think that you're like this person who just doesn't make a whole lot of fanfare but just gives so much of himself just because that's who you are as a human. And we need more people like you and I really appreciate that you're a really solid role model um, in governance space and in philanthropy um, and just in the wider community. So thank you for everything that you do and the, the commitment that you make to our people. Kia ora. Very kind of you. Thanks, Maweta. Kia ora. Thank you very much for joining us.
ain't had much to say But man, I still think them cats are crazy They were asking if you were around How you was, where you could be found Told them you were living downtown Driving all the old men crazy She was cool, she was red hot I mean she was steaming And that time over at Johnny's place Well, this chick got up and she slapped Johnny's face Man, we just fell about the place If that chick don't wanna know, forget her Blowing bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and this week, Thursday, afternoons at three, and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is a Thin Lizzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mwira Karatai in Fakatani and in Tauranga. We've been joined by Simon Clark. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.